This is Bob McCowan, and uh, this is the Bob McCowan Podcast. And it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. John Shannon is still in Edmonton. Well, two more for uh, the Maple Leaf uh, captain, not captain, but leader, I guess. Yeah. Goal scoring leader now is 52, right? I think he's got 53, doesn't he? Well, yeah, if if he had two last night, he's at 53. So, okay. Well, and they, and, and not only that, uh, I'll tell you what, um, you know, they, they're playing well now, Bob, the Maple Leafs are playing much better. They, I know they, they, they won five, won five by the way, they won five straight games with Morgan Riley's suspension. So right. does that make <laughs> sense to you? No. <laughs> well, then what does it mean? It means probably nothing. Well, just just don't lose the game when he comes back, and they didn't last night. That's well, winning five in a row in February is a nice thing, but uh, it can be misleading to fans. By the way, by, by the way, Austin only had one last night. I just checked; he only had one last what night. So he's, he? at, he's at fifty-two. That's what I said, fifty-two. Yeah, but I thought he had two. Anyway, no. uh, big win over Las Vegas too. Yeah, yeah, really. It's uh, they were they were impressive. You know, Vegas is and Vegas is kind of reeling. But re- tell you what, the Vegas has got the problem that a lot of teams are are having and are going to have, and that's injuries at a really bad time. No Jack Eichel, no Mark Stone. So they've but, had two years in a row now with bad injuries, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now actually three. When you could like the, the, the three years ago, remember the year they didn't make the playoffs when they had lost over five hundred man. Oh games. yeah, that's right. But but then they you know they they get through it and muddle through it. It just means that uh, Kelly McCrimmon will find a way to use all that uh, long term injury re- re- relief on the uh, on the cap to find somebody to trade with in two weeks. So that's uh, that, that'll be something that he's always up for the challenge for. I think the NHL season, Bob. You know, we we touched on it a little bit after the Boston Edmonton game. I think the 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 caliber of hockey right now um, is is really really good for those teams who think they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, the level of compete is is just fantastic right now. It's unbelievable. Well, speaking of that, you know, Vancouver Canucks are everybody's uh, everybody's got their eye on the Canucks. Yeah, they've now lost four in a row. I know. Right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, they didn't... Should look... fans be nervous? Well, this is the first adversity the Canucks have had all season. Right. And so if if you and I are sitting in the boardroom with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, you're going you're gonna to be concerned. You're not concerned about them making the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I'd really like them to learn how to fight through adversity in February than try to fight through it in a playoff series. I Wouldn't guess you? so. But you know, this is a team that has outperformed expectation yep. by a lot. Yep. And this four-game losing streak, some would say, maybe is a sign that they aren't as good as they showed they were for three months. Right. Well, and let's face it, we're talking about a fan base in Vancouver that loves the sky to fall at times. Well, uh, <laughs> it does fall. And 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 by the way, they pay up. They play a Boston Bruin team on Saturday night that uh, is always tough to play, no matter well, where they play. And they may be the best team in the NHL, Boston Bruins. Yeah, nah, New York Rangers right now. Rangers, I think, have won eight straight. So what? Yeah. The Bruins right. have been in first place almost all year, if not yeah. all year. Right? Well, yeah. And if, and Bo- if you've I, ignored I, them. You're right about that because we're, we're we we always thought that they wouldn't be much better. They they've lost Krejci and Bergeron, and and they're not supposed to be any good anymore. We have ignored them completely, and they're the best team in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the record shows that. I'll tell you what, we got a, a an old pal on today, Doug Armstrong from the St. Louis Blues is going to come on. He's going to scout- He's going to be uh, out scouting, looking at some college players, some junior players, some pro players. Two weeks to the trade deadline, and the St. Louis Blues are in a playoff spot after firing their coach earlier this year. Doug Armstrong, general manager of the St. Louis Blues, with Bob and me after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game 
with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back. Bob's in Toronto. John's in Edmonton. And Doug Armstrong, the uh, general manager of the St. Louis Blues, is in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, on another scouting mission, what are you doing? You guys, secrets you're going to tell us? Uh, not really secrets. I was at the uh, Outlands game last night, saw a great game with the Red Wings, and then uh, going to go see a college game tonight, and we play here tomorrow. So trying to get uh, as much work in as possible in the smallest amount of time. The, uh, the Detroit-Toronto corridor, uh, when you think about it, the amount of hockey you can go to on all different levels really makes it a, quite an opportune time to, to spend some extra time around Detroit and Toronto, doesn't it? It sure does. And, and whether it's pro scouting or amateur scouting, it's a great place to live. And there's a ton of scouts living in this area. You put in that, uh, that uh, American uh, development program for the amateur guys and then the colleges and junior hockey and Obviously, the pros, it's easy to get to Columbus and Detroit and Buffalo. and <clears throat> So it's a great spot. The expectation of uh, the Blues franchise is a pretty high one. Um, and right now, you're, I want eighth or something in the West. Are you satisfied with the performance of your team, or are you disappointed? No, Bob, I'd say I'm satisfied. Uh, we, we went through a long run of, of high-end success, and I think you have to – Stay consistent to how you think you, how, why you got there and how to get back there. And uh, it's funny, I'm in Detroit and I thought of something that Steve Eisenman did last year. And uh, he was in a similar spot uh, in the playoffs and, and traded off some players. And he just said he has no desire to just be average. He wants to be great. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we, we made trades last year and we're not trying to just sneak into the playoffs for the better part of a decade or two. We want to be good when we get there. So uh, we made hard decisions, and we're down that path. We're going to stay consistent to it and and try and bring in younger players so we can have a sustained run. Do you expect to make some deals before the trade deadline? I would say we're we're probably likely neutral. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, unrestricted uh, free agents this year of the caliber that we had last year. Uh, our team has played well enough to stay in the fight, and when we started the year, we thought we would be competing for that uh, 7th and 9th spot. Uh, you know, there there are teams that are at just a, a different part of their growth pattern than we are. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm happy with our guys, uh, and, and we'll see where we go. Uh, we certainly will not, Bob, be using first-round picks or top prospects to to add a, an impact player because even an impact player where we're at right now would not push us over the top against those top uh, two or three teams where we would be the prohibitive favorites in the first round. Right. You've always been um, pretty pragmatic about the trade <clears throat> deadline. There are times you've been aggressive. I remember when you uh, when you went out and, and tried to make sure that Ryan Miller was your goalie of record. It, that didn't work out. We were all surprised when you traded Paul Stastny at the deadline, and you, then you went on a bit of a pretty good run in the deadline with the changes you made. Um, but it, to me, it speaks of chemistry. Uh, can you explain how, how chemistry is, is is important at the trade deadline? Yeah, I think, it, again, it, it's, it's chemistry of your current team, and it's also the, the direction your current team has given you. Uh, when we traded for Ryan Miller, <clears throat> we, we were a top team in the league. We've been a top team for, uh, for a few years. We felt that we had good goaltending. We thought we had a chance to get great goaltending. Uh, we, we traded for a player that we thought could to push us over the hump, and it, it didn't work out. And uh, quite honestly, if I had to do it again, I, I'd do the same thing. You want to reward your teams when, you, when you're at that spot to move ahead. And there are other teams, other years where you you may be you may be in a spot where where the standings say you are, but in your mind you don't think you're as competitive as that. And again, it's it's uh, John, it's a desire to win championships, not to make playoffs. That 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 are at the forefront of what we're trying to do. And uh, it's it's a slippery slope. And what we've done over the number of years is we've never had like a, a Hall of Fame top player to build around like an Ovechkin or a Crosby or McDavid. So what we've tried to do is is just 
be honest with where we're at and who we have and, and try and accent and be and we believe we are going to have success as a team, not as a couple of individuals that are surrounded by by different players. What do you think? Um, go ahead, John. No, no, go, no. Go ahead, Bob. You, you, you're. I'm wondering here. if you uh, have. Do you uh, have you established what you think your needs are right now, specifically? Yeah, yeah, Bobby. What I would say is, uh, when when you're in the the area we are, you're in the asset uh, allocation part of it. Uh, Meaning, last year we 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 ended up uh, getting extra first round picks, trading for a first round pick player. So what we're trying to do is 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 have a team that can be competitive for a couple of years until these younger players can take hold of our group. So what what we're looking to do is just stay competitive with high quality, high character people that can push through. And I know people don't believe this, but I I think you know to go on to go on a two month run. Uh, it's difficult, but to beat somebody over two weeks, it's not it's not as uh, daunting as people think it might be. So if you get in, you never know what can happen. You might not be able to go all the way, but you can might be able to scare a team or two along the way. Yeah, you made uh, you made your biggest decision already this season, and that was changing your coach. Um, how how difficult was it to trade or to fire Craig Bruby? It was very difficult, and. Uh, Craig obviously brought us our first championship, our only championship in St. Louis. Uh, but before that, he had worked with our American Hockey League team. Uh, he and I had worked, uh, he had done some scouting for us and then gets into the coaching in the American League level, comes up, <clears throat> takes us on a great run. Uh, but, you know, hard decisions have to be made and uh, it doesn't reflect on my my thought of Craig Brewer as a coach. I think he's a great coach. He's going to go somewhere else and do a great job. It just... Uh, we had run to the end of the road uh, in, in our organization and it wasn't just the the 20 games or whatever it was this year. We were coming off of a, a year where we picked 10th overall in the draft. So it, it was more of a hundred and hundred plus games of that. We weren't, we weren't <clears throat> being to the expectations that Craig had for us and we had for ourselves. And as I, I said, it, it's a difficult industry right now because coaches seem to pay the price at, at, a, at a greater rate than ever before. I'm not sure if that's uh something that will last over time, but it's here now. And, and you just see it. Uh, it, it seems like it's uh, goes through cycles. Uh, one year it's five or six coaches. The next year is five or six managers and back to five or six coaches. So uh, it's we're, never, we're, five, we're it's never, hold on. It's never five or six managers. What are oh, you I think about? if you look back, you might see a couple of years. <laughs> but so, and, and so what, I mean, I, I think we all like, Craig was gregarious. Craig was open. He was honest. He was, you know, you, you felt that uh, if you were around him, you were getting the real deal. And and so you wonder how does that message change when he deals with the players? And is it, is it just that player coach relationship that, that gets muffled that causes something like that to happen? Yeah. Well, the one thing that never changed was Craig's approach to how he treated people. Uh, that was his strength. That will always be his strength. He's honest. Uh, but sometimes the message just isn't getting through or, uh, you know, I, I wish I, kn I knew why. I wish I knew why teams had that bump when, when a right. coach was gone. The same players basically playing the same system, uh, but there's just a little more attention to detail because you, and, and you're trying, John, you're trying to warn the players, like something drastic has to happen here. Like, someone has to change addresses, whether it's a player or, or someone from the management staff. Uh, and everybody sort of rolls their eyes until it happens. And then when it happens, it, you know, nobody wants it to be them. And, and so they, they, they deal in there. And what is Drew, what has Drew Bannister done then um, in, in all of this that has made the team, let's face it, play better. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I think there was always accountability with Craig uh, but it's a different form of it's a different tactic of accountability. There's a different way to do it. It's a different voice. There are subtle changes that happen uh, within the team, and there's all there's also a pride and embarrassment factor when you're when you're standing and somebody else has taken the has has taken the bullet for you. You you if you don't feel shame and if you don't feel uh, embarrassed by it, then you're then you're not a great team player and you're not you're not going to be part of a winning team. And so. I, I think that, that Drew has come in and, and uh, been true to who he is. He's a different personality. We do some things differently, but I think the players have just responded to the idea that, that they let a really good man down. When you are uh, thinking about firing a coach, when it comes into your mind, I mean, I know I'm sure there's a thought process, 
to take some time, some weeks before you finally make that decision. Would you ever go to that coach and say, look, it's not going great. Will you change or can you change anything you're doing? Do you give him that option? Yeah, it's not as much can you change it. it. It's it's the reality check, and you have those conversations like this is getting serious now. You know, like we 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 need to put we need to put some wins together here. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's it, it's not like he's like NHL coaches aren't stupid. They they yeah. they they know. Oh, I understand. This, and, and 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 they, but you 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 don't hide from it. You don't you don't act like it's not. You know, there there's not there's not uh, tension in the air all around. And I think what well, you're trying to eliminate that tension as much as possible, but it, the reality is there. And I, I don't think you hide from it. Uh, I, I, I worked in Dallas for Jim lights, who I consider a dear friend. And he would always say like, I'm going to support you hundred percent till the day I fire you. And, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and that's has to be it. Like we, we went into uh, to a three game set that was very important for us. We played Columbus uh, who was coming off of a, a game the night before. We were arrested in Columbus. They were injured. We lost that game. We went in Chicago and lost. And we had Detroit coming into our building that had uh, had eight regulars out, and we lost that game. And so going into that Columbus weekend, you're going, you know what, well, we, we need to get three to four, hopefully five or six points, and you come out with none. It's, 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 it's sort of the writings on the wall. Right. How much maturation in firing a coach did you see out of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas? Uh, quite a bit, quite a bit from our whole organization. That's the first time that, uh, uh, that they had been through that at, uh, well, uh, they were there, but they were, they were just newer players. Well, let me rephrase that. Robert was a newer player when we made the trade, uh, right. maybe two months into his year. Jordan came in with, with Craig. Uh, so, they only really knew one coach and they only really knew one way of doing things. And uh, they, but they've matured as they're supposed to mature over time. I I would say the biggest growth to me has come from Robert Thomas. Uh, And he and I talked about this just a week or two ago. I said, you you know, he came in from, from junior hockey where he won the Memorial cup, and then he went on to win a world junior. Then he came to the Stanley cup and he won that. And that's all before the age of 19. He just thought that this, this is life. Like you just show up to work and you win every time. And we talked about him coming at the tail end of a really good generation. And I could see the, like, we, we just talk about it openly. He wants to get back to that. He wants to be a winning player in a winning organization. And I, you know, my, my responsibility guys is to lay out a game plan to get players to buy into it, that there is a method behind the madness and Jordan Bennington is no different. And so I, I think we have a core group of guys that understand that where we're at, uh, you know, and their their job is to to push and make my my decisions harder. And and they're doing that on a uh, you know. Now, if we were sitting here like Vancouver, for example, I don't I don't think going into this year people thought Vancouver was going to be where they are. Maybe Vancouver did, but the outside didn't. So I, I assume that none of us thought they were going to be trading first round picks this year, but they had a great run. What you want your team is to outperform your thought process and make you do things you haven't thought about. And right now we're, we're in a good spot. We're where we thought we would be and we're going to act accordingly. So, so I remember you being on with us, gosh, I think it was about a year ago now. Uh, and we asked you, you were wavering on trade deadline stuff, but you had already made the long-term commitment for big money to both Cairo and Thomas. Yeah, and and that that was the. Um, did you waver? Did you did you waver? Uh, no. In your thought no. process, they because they because they at, at some point between that discussion and this discussion, you had to say, "Man, did I make the right decision?" Well, I, I think what happened there, John, was that the the hard part was when we stepped up to those guys in the summer of that year. I wasn't prepared for the indicator the effect the indicator that had on the rest of the group. And that that's a failure on my part uh, because those players were going from a, a nominal salary in NHL standards to a high salary. And so when that much cap space is taken up and you have unrestricted free agents like O'Reilly and Barbashev and Tarasenko and these other guys, they might not be math majors, but they're not math idiots. And they, they could see how much money was going to be left. And, and, you know, maybe in hindsight, I, I could have played and left, kept everybody on edge and played that out and then done the same thing a year later. 
But when I look back on it, you know, I look at the two players leading our leading our team in scoring. Robert Thomas is a, I don't like to say star, but he's a bona fide upper echelon player on a nightly basis now. And and and, and Cairo shows flashes of that, and he's showing much more flashes of that over the last couple of months. So I think the investment of those of those players is sound, uh, but it did have an adverse effect in the room uh, last year. And but that's you know you 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 hope you hope that that people can overcome it. But general emotions and 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 do do set in. And but I have to do what I think is right for the long term success of the franchise. And I've said this to Mr. Stillman on a couple of occasions, whether it's been other free agents that we've left going back to David Backus, there's there's things that Doug Armstrong Inc. should do, and there's things that Doug Armstrong should do for this for the St. Louis Blues. Right. And sometimes they don't correlate and you have to make hard decisions. One of the things that we've uh, looked at occasionally has been the NBA's decision a couple of years ago to expand the playoffs and have this group of teams, six through ten, that kind of play their, try and play their way into the playoffs. The NHL hasn't done that. Um, you are eighth right now, I think, in the West. So it's uh, something that you must look at and think about occasionally. What do you think about the ex- um, possibility of expanding the playoffs? Maybe in the same venue, <coughs> same way the N- NBA has. Well, I, this has been brought up, Bob, at, at numerous uh, uh, general managers meetings. I imagine, board, yep, and board of governors meetings, and and not passing the buck, but that that is a that is an owner presidential decision. I under, I understand the benefit of, of of having more teams in playing longer, uh, but I also understand the benefit of putting in six months of work to be eliminated by a team that may have put in two months of good work at the end to knock you out. I do sure. see. I, I do see both sides of it. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're sitting in six, I like it the way it is. When you're sitting in ninth, I like, I like your format. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I'll tell you what, I mean, I watched that game you watched last night. You can't tell me that wasn't a playoff game. Colorado oh, Detroit was an outstanding game. And if, 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 and because the Red Wings are pressured, to, to do what you're doing is get playoff point, get points to get to the playoffs and Colorado's needs points. So they don't face Winnipeg or Dallas in the first round. I mean, we're in the playoffs now, Doug. Yeah. Every game is so important. And you, you know, obviously in Detroit, uh, it's not the central time zone. So I get back and I, and I watch the, the, the third period of our game and I'm going, wow, well, Nashville has to go to LA and, Vancouver, they're going to snap out of it against uh, against Seattle, and this is going to happen. I woke up this morning; it was all different. Everybody won, so so you used to start watching the standings a little bit later. Now you find like you're watching them in December, almost even in November, and and it's crazy. But that game I saw last night was was just a, a like it's a it's a one one game, it's a two one game final. It was an outstanding hockey game. I think the shots were thirty one thirty. The best players on on the team scored the goals. Uh, it, it was, it was really enjoyable. The atmosphere, I was sitting with another, uh, uh, I think Jimmy McKenzie from Vegas last night was, was, I said, isn't it great to come back in Detroit and see the energy in that building? It was, it was, it was fabulous. And, um, you know, the new arena here, it, it, it's just, it's exciting. And, and it's, and as I say, as you said, it's, it's February and it's just exciting. I can't believe what it's going to be like as we get into March and April. But well, we see, we've seen this all week. I mean, you go back to the outdoor game in in uh, in New Jersey, the Ranger Devil game. Um, I'm in Edmonton. The Boston Edmonton game was f- fantastic. Uh, I know you were in Detroit. The, the The Hurricanes and the Panthers last night was wild with no goals. It was crazy. <laughs> and and, they, and, and uh, you know, Sebastian Ajo scored with 18 seconds to play in the third period to win. It, there is just right now, it's almost like at the all-star break, everybody said, okay, we're going to crank it up. Uh, we, 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 we've got to figure out what we're doing before the deadline. And then we're going to figure out what we're going to do, how to, and, and, and where to seat ourselves for the playoffs. And which makes, in my opinion, the deadline this year, even more important than it has been in the past couple of years. Don't you? Yeah. I, I I'm going to answer that in two different, uh, two different phases. One is, Something happened over the last 18 months where physical hockey is, is back in vogue. And, and you see, I see more big hits. I see more physical hockey now within the framework of, of legal, yeah. you know, it, 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 
I'm not going to go back into the eighties. <laughs> you know, no. it, was, it was, a, it was a little crazier then, but, but, you know, you see a big hit in the Ranger game last night and, and you see, you see Trouble with big hits all year long. You, you just see a lot of, of, of hard contact now. And, and I think that's, what's drawing the fans back in and that's, what's making these games so exciting. And uh, hockey's a great game and the skill level's never been higher, but it's a skill level that you have to pay a price to show off. And I, I think that's what the fans appreciate now. And uh, then you get to the deadline. I, I think every, like if you're a top 10 team in the league, securely in the top 10, then you have to think you have a chance to win the Stanley cup. Uh, if you're sort of where we are, uh, you know, in that, in that, wherever that mushy middle, you know, my, I don't want to speak for other teams. I'm not sure one player is going to, put us in a spot where we think we're better than all those 10 teams over, over two months. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a, the, the, there's going to be some teams that don't want to pay a heavy price because they haven't been in the playoffs a long time that their market needs it, that their ownership need, you know, is, is, is pushing that. And there's other teams that, that are going to say, you know what, that that's a steep price to play for the hope to get in to play a team that's vastly superior to you. And if you end up knocking them off to play one, you know, is vastly superior to that. So uh, it's, it's an interesting time. I know if I was in the top 10 right now, or certainly in the top five or six, I'd probably be going to the bank and taking out a loan to put some more chips in. Yeah. But that, but that also means <clears throat> when you talk about chips, there's, there's, there's players and there's also salary cap space. Um, do you, do you think, do you think we're going to see more, you know, these three-way deals where I'll take, I'll take some money off your hand. You give me a pick and, and, and then you guys can figure out what players you want. I, I do. And I, I think that the, uh, I've always thought it's, I don't want to say a cop out, but I don't think the salary cap ever really gets in the way of a good deal. I, I think if you want to get creative, you, you can find different ways to do it. There's uh, I think the term we all use is brokers. Now if there's brokers out there that can participate in any trade, if you, if you want to make a deal happen, you can make it happen. I think it's easy to say, well, we don't have the cap space as a as a as a player way to say that we don't really want to make that trade. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I think there's ways to do it. Uh, I think with uh, we're finally going to come out of a stagnant cap, uh, so there's going to be growth. You can, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past, John. Like you, no contract was ever a bad contract because the business side did such a good job. The revenue would outgrow every bad contract. Then we went through a a four or five year pandemic phase where the cap was the cap. It was, it was firm. It wasn't moving and, and your contracts didn't, you know, the percentage of the cap didn't go down. If, if you signed a player for 8% of your cap, it was 8% for four or five years instead of 8%, then seven, then six and a half, then right. six. And that, and that's a big difference as you move forward. We're looking to get out of that frame right now. And uh, you, as you, you, I noted the outdoor game, 150,000 people over two nights to watch two games. Uh, the game's in a great spot. The revenues are growing. Everyone's doing a great job. And so I think the cap is going to continue to grow, which is, is going to continue to allow teams to make, uh, make aggressive trades. Yeah, but, you know, the cap growth, really, that is money that goes to the players, period. And that's really, the, they are the beneficiaries of a growing cap not the teams themselves. You may be able to do some things, but the value of a contract just goes up. And so you have to pay a bit more to do what you did, you know, a year ago. Is that true? Well, the, the, it looks, it looks like the top players grab the majority of the new money. I'll, I'll agree with that. Right. That's that, that's not spread out equally. But a top player like like we talked a top player that made eight million three years ago is still making eight million now. That top player is now going to start making ten or eleven. So you can exactly you you can find more money. And I, I would say, and again, probably above my pay grade, but the players are the benefactors of, of the cap going up. Right. Exactly. But, exactly. but the but it you know, and again, I don't read Forbes a lot. I'm not saying I'm that smart, but it doesn't look like these franchises are losing value either. So somebody's making money on both sides of this. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and by the way, and by the way, there's a lot of teams that have already spent that four and a half million. <laughs> it's already gone. Just ask, just ask Brad Treliving when you talk yeah. to him next time. So. <laughs> well, Marie, we're with him. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, he wishes. Uh, we're with uh, Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues. Bob and I will be back after this. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the podcast. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, Doug Armstrong. Uh, you mentioned outdoor games. Uh, you guys are going to be in the Winter Classic again. You get tired of it? You know what? I had never obviously been in one, and then we had it in St. Louis. And then uh, to me, it's it's a great event. I I never really under I never really uh, appreciated what what an effect it has on your franchise. What it has an effect it has on your players. The excitement to the to the the people closest to you, your family members, even like obviously management and coaches, but players, family members. When we went to Minnesota. Uh, we had a blast. And if you remember, that might've been the coldest game ever played. It, it was freezing. And the, the guys found a way to have fun with it. Uh, probably I like them too, because we're two and oh, two yeah. and zero. So <laughs> uh, I, I hope if we can say that trend will ask for more, but it's, it's a great event. Uh, I, I think the rivalry between the, the Blackhawks and the blues over, over time, uh, having the, the future face of the front or future face, face of the league playing in that game is going to be great. So to answer your question, no, I, I never get tired of being part of special events. So, is it easier or more fun to be a host or a visitor? Visitor for yeah. me. Yeah. Now we, we've, it's, it's not like I no, uh, no, but have a lot it, of experience on both, but yeah, on the hosting team you have, it, the, the difference is you have family members joining you away and they can pay their hotel rooms and when they all come to, to, <laughs> to town, they want to stay at your house. And, and so it's a, it, it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, but I think it, it's more of a business trip, quite honestly, when you, when you do it on the road, uh, the families, they, they fly in on a, on a different charter plane or they meet there or they do different things. And uh, at home, it's, it's like a, you know, there, there's a reason teams, some teams stay at hotels in the playoffs. It's just, it's just more hectic at home. And during, as, as the playoffs go on, uh, more long lost cousins just happen to be driving through the city and uh, want to reach out and uh, <laughs> things like that. And it's like that for winter classics, I'm sure. Economically, what does an outdoor game mean to your team? Like um, how much money can you make off it? Well, I, I think you, you make the majority of your money on, on uh, a brand recognition uh on on different jerseys on you know you'll, you'll wear that you'll wear that jersey right. and then you'll wear it again and, and it's just a, a different revenue stream uh I, I don't think you you make it off the gate revenue i just think it's the exposure your team gets and uh you know as, as a mid-market team being the center point of anything in the nhl is a real positive for for us and for any mid-market team and so we we take a lot of pride in that uh probably uh, not trying to skirt the question. That's a better better question for Chris Zimmerman, our, our president of business operations or our owner. Uh, but I, I, I certainly, we're not just doing it for the love of the game. There has to be some economic benefit too. Right, sure. Would you be happy if there were, let's say, you played two outdoor games a year? I know that isn't being really discussed, but there is an economic benefit, obviously, to playing outdoors. What if they expanded dramatically expanded the outdoor profile yeah i would think it would lose its luster over you know i think the way they did it in new york pushed the envelope obviously with two games and two nights and they were able to sell out that uh i'm not sure if you did this you know twice a year at home or once a year at home on the road i think it would just lose its luster i, I think also you're bringing so many uh scheduling conflicts because you know you really do cross your fingers that the weather is going to hold up that particular sure day yeah. all, of, all of a sudden if not you you basically have to to one game takes over two or three days because you have to have uh, all, you know different plans if it if it doesn't work out so i'm not sure you, it, it's uh schedule wise feasible and and this is my opinion bob and i'm not saying it's right or wrong i, I just think that at some point there's overkill and i think the league's found a nice balance John well, Davidson was with us uh, last week, I think, John. Yep. And uh, we talked yep. a little bit about the upcoming game at Ohio Stadium. That is a, a park that, as you know, seats 100,000. They are talking about 80,000 people for that game. That's a lot of folks. And I'm wondering uh, whether you think that, you know, obviously there'll be some success in that. Uh, arena but 
they seem to be looking around the uh, North American continent for big places. It's where is some place that's big that we can hold the game, right? Yeah, it'd be. I, I know that uh, uh, Vancouver did indoors. I don't. I don't know. They're they're like Vegas seems to be the place that everybody's going to for every sporting event under the sun right now. We just had the Super Bowl there. Uh, yeah, I you know the NHL has such a great uh, uh, market. I don't know, marketing, but uh, yeah, marketing area where they're always looking to expand and, and look at different things. Uh, I think that the one in Ohio State's going to be great. Uh, I think uh, you know what what a they're bringing the Red Wings in. It's a close rivalry. I think the tickets will be no issue. I think Columbus have had a great fan base for a number of years and certainly have earned the right to to be part of something this big. So I think the league is always looking to to find different venues to obviously maximize revenues, but but reward teams that that haven't been rewarded for a number of years. Right. You know, it's funny. I I thought I thought outdoor games had jumped the shark. I, I really did. I, so did I, I. And I think what we saw those two games at MetLife Stadium, Doug. And you know, I think we all looked at it and said, oh, the Rangers and Islanders and the Flyers and the Devils. And I think, I, I think it gave the outdoor games new life. I think there's a real positive feeling about outdoor games now based on what happened on that weekend in New Jersey. Don't you? Yeah, I thought they were great. And again, the weather was fantastic. Like it just, everything seemed to, to be perfect. Uh, uh, and, and the games were great. I mean, that the end of that, uh, the end of that uh, uh, Ranger game was Oh, yeah. Like it's made, it's made for TV stuff. Like you, you just don't see that stuff. You don't see a penalty, then a five on three, then, and then another one. And, and then sort of like the way that the goal went in, like there, there's a giveaway and the net's knocked off and the puck dribbles across the line. And it gives somebody uh, things to talk about forever. And uh, I, I think it's great for the game. I, I think those, those, uh, those, you know, Steve Marin and his group, they, they, they know what they're doing because they, they take things that make maybe the, someone without a, a creative brain and scratching their head and say, wow, that ended up working out really well. Yeah. It, it, and, and you're going to, because of the success of games like that, you are going to get, and let's face it, this is more than a game. There's entertainment part of this and you're going to get better entertainers, bigger entertainers wanting to be involved as well. And that's, that's all part of it. Okay. We've kind of buried the lead here for 30 minutes. You know, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Edmonton. Bob knows that most of the listeners know that. I'm going to see Billy Guerin later today. He's already been named the general manager of the American Olympic team. When are they naming you the general manager of the Canadian <laughs> Olympic team? What's the, uh, you have, you uh, got, yeah, no, Doug, you, no. got the you got the file. The file is sitting there. All you have to do is scratch off the guys that are 35 and put in the guys that are 22 now. Come on. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy for Billy. He certainly earned the right there. And, uh, uh, more, more globally, uh, John, I, I'm so excited for the players to be able to participate in the Olympics moving forward. And, uh, uh, you know, next year's event is going to just be a, a little, a little teaser for nations, four teams getting together and, 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 and playing a little round Robin, but the Olympics, uh, just, just being, um, you know, a, a small part of, of that, uh, the, the event was so great to seeing how Crosby did it in 10 and, and then the whole, the whole, going into Russia and, and what that was all about. I think the guys have a, a, a great runway to, to really, to, to show their skills moving forward. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I don't think you, answer my, sure you didn't answer my question. <laughs> you didn't, well, he didn't answer my question, Bob. Yeah. When's he going to be named? Well, of course you he know. doesn't know that stupid. Yes, he does. <laughs> he knows. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, I don't. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of great people there in Hockey Canada. They'll they'll do the right thing at the right time. Are you are you convinced Canada will play in the Olympics? Oh, yeah. next They've time? already announced it, Bob. They've announced. Yeah. So what? So that yeah. doesn't mean anything. Sure, they have. They've said we're going, Bob. We are are going to the Olympics. They've said that. Yeah, well, I'm sure they said that before and didn't go too. <laughs> so, would it would, would it would it be your thought like the Americans that the same person that runs the the four nations face off will run the team in Italy? Uh, again, I, I think that's something that hockey can ask aside. I, you know, you one of the one of the areas where there's so many people. I think that they could they could get different people involved. They could they could do a uh, um, they could do it in blocks because now it looks like you're going to have uh, uh, like 
an event every other year. So you right. can, you could put a management group in together for a block and then that one goes. And uh, I, I think, you know, now, now it just came out recently. I know the all-star guy seems like a while ago, but now uh, like any good organization, they're, they're going to, they're going to measure, measure uh, twice and cut once and they're going to make their decision. And uh, uh, again, I honestly don't know if, if Billy's running both of those things. I know he's doing the Olympic team, but um, he's doing both. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of things that happen in pro sports over two years. So <laughs> I'm not sure you, uh, how much runway you, you really want to give an announcement. So let, let's say you are named to that. Let me go forward a bit. How difficult was it become to watch a game or think about hockey and have two teams on your mind, your St. Louis Blues and the national team ultimately that you have to make decisions about? Yeah, I'll, I'll just go back to my experiences of, of uh, the World Cup and the, and the Olympics before. It, right. It's an int it's interesting because you're walking you're watching two totally different sets of players in the same exactly. Game. exactly. And so you 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 scout differently. You I actually watch more video of, of those players, and um, you know I, I'm I'm not naive. Like when you work for Hockey Canada, like you have to understand you're born on third base. You didn't hit a triple. You know, you're born on third base. You're, 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 you're picking the best of the best, but there is, there are nuances that, that separate the best from the very best. And, and then you have to build a team around that. And so uh, learning so much from Steve Eisman as he built the 10 and 14 team on, on, you know, a couple of times we, we, we took a player uh, and said, he plays very good with this player. And then when we got the event, there was a, 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 a different player brought a different element that broke that up. If right. that makes sense. So I think you can't get tied to what you see in the NHL is going to transfer to, to the international event because, you know, that player doesn't have the opportunity to play. Like, so like a Connor McDavid doesn't have a opportunity to play with McKinnon. So you might think that McKinnon and X player have chemistry here or McDavid and X player have chemistry there. But when you put different players together, that chemistry comes quickly. So, uh, it, it's a different scouting format. It's a different mindset to when you're scouting. Uh, and you and you have to, the, the details that you look at when you're scouting for players that you can actually acquire in the NHL is different from the details you're looking at when you're trying to put a, a, a team of together for, for that type of event. It's funny you say that because we, we've seen uh, managers of Olympic teams have that, try to have that approach. And some have been good and some have been, failures i mean i remember in, in 98 bobby clark really thought rob zaminer would fill a role for the team in in nagano and it didn't work out as well for rob that's not a knock at rob it's just that he didn't fit into what they were trying to do with the team and then chris kunitz in 14 right you know the big argument i'm sure i'm sure you guys had t tons of arguments about kunitz and whether because he's so he fits so well with sid he should be on the team and it worked out perfectly yeah, and then there, there's there's different times that you can you can work through those things. And I just remember ten, like Drew Doughty uh, came, and all of a sudden he he just moves up, he just moves up and up and up as as he continues to play. So uh, yeah, there there are there are different ways to look at it. You that's where you really need uh, synergy with your coach. And I know I know that uh, that Mike and uh, Steve had that from player coach relationship to player management relationship. That you know, I, I think we could all probably, in a consensus, pick ten of the fourteen forwards. It's the last four where you're going to have the biggest discrepancy because some people want to take the highest skilled player, some people want to take the fastest skater, some people want to take the the niche. Guy. Okay, this guy can do this, and and it, it's like your NHL team, uh, Bobby, on that on this part of it. You can have the greatest plans if the coach doesn't buy in. It's yeah. a bad idea. <laughs> so you better have the you better be on the same page when you're picking a team with the coaching staff. And uh, I was had the opportunity to have that role with Mike Babcock, and and I enjoyed every second of it because uh, Mike wasn't shy to let me know what he thought was going to work and not work, and then we we put that into our equation when we picked our players. What do these Mike, what and, do Mike, and, Lord Shai, Mike and Lord Shy have never been in the same sentence? <laughs> <laughs> What would you think the St. Louis Blues would think about you being the GM of Team Canada? I've talked quite a bit about our ownership with our ownership group and Mr. Stillness, especially. And uh, uh, they, 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 the, 
Bob, what I what I've told them is it's the opportunity to work with the best of the best that makes the blues better. It's also right. the it's also the opportunity to rub shoulders with top end players that might be free agents that that give you a give you the ability. Like if I if I call Joe and I don't know Joe and I'm selling him on St. Louis, it's a sales pitch. But if I if I call you and I know you and and you you trust me, I can say, okay, well these are areas, these are people I want you to talk to. And there's just a familiarity that comes with with uh, I don't want to say friendship, but but acquaintances. So I think I think every organization, I think Billy Guerin, the Minnesota uh, benefits from it. I think everyone benefits from it. A, if you go in understanding that you're likely the stupidest guy in the room and you're going to learn from a lot smarter people, you're going to get a lot out of it. And then I think your organization gets a lot out of it just because you, you get to rub shoulders with the best of the best, not only players, but coaches, but trainers and everyone involved. No, I'm with you, but I just wonder whether ownership ever says to you, "Well, look, if you're going to do this, you're going to it's going to take away from your time with the Blues." Yeah, and and, and that's what we talk about. And and <clears throat> my ownership group believes what what I what I told them on what we're gaining outweighs what 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 we're losing from. If it, it, let's say you the belief is you're losing some of your day to day responsibilities, right. we're gaining more from this than we're losing, and Again, I'm very fortunate to work with with really strong people that uh, uh, I, I think we all all managers think that, you know, I call it the hit by the bus theory. Like if I get hit by a bus today, I don't think the St. Louis Blues are going to miss a beat because you hope to have found yourself and have a strong enough organization where you're not just relying on one person. Right. Hey, hey, the, the one the one thing not to get too deep in the Olympic team, the one thing I think most Canadians are concerned about is who would be the goaltender? I mean, we're going through a cycle in Canada right now, and it, and, and we have to call a spade a shovel. The, the best goalies in this league aren't Canadian. They're not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to debate that, that with you, but how many non-Canadians have won a Stanley Cup over the last 10 years? Well, we'll say Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so Canada goalies some, somehow find a way to be good in the big games. I'll just leave it there. Well, and but here, here, yeah, and 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 we don't. I mean, for a decade it was well. We always have Carey Price. Yes, yeah. I, 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 I. Well, and before that, it, you know, there, there was, not not only though in Canada there was this there was a time frame, late late eighties through Marty Brodeur through Carey Price that there was five or six goalies were the best five or six goalies for the better part of seven, eight, nine years. You know what I mean? Lundquist. Now good goalies are good goalies for a year. And then somebody else pops up. Now the, I'm going to take Vasilevsky out. He's a freak. He's, yeah. he's the freak of goalie nature right now that, but you, you've seen no matter you, you name a goalie and over the last couple of years, he hasn't, he hasn't shown that consistency that Brodeur did, that Hasek did, that Patrick did, that Price did, uh, you know, year in, year out. And uh, I think that's just, again, now we're, I'm sort of off on all, all different angles now. The difference in goaltending now is I think the floor is so much closer to the ceiling than ever before that you can, the, the, the top goalies aren't that much different than the rest of the goalies. Again, let's take out Vasilevsky. <laughs> but, but I, I, you know what I mean? I, I just think that, that for whatever reason, Goaltending has never been better in this league, and 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 that probably dilutes the top guys. That tells me that you've given this this conversation, this topic, a lot of thought. So that tells me I've given me a lot of thought for my day job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey Doug, thanks for this. This has been fun. I always thanks, enjoy coming with you guys, Bobby. Great to great to hear your voice and see you're doing well. And Johnny, always thanks, good pal. To you, pal. I, great seeing you too. Okay, That's, take care, uh, Doug Armstrong, oh, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues, right now in a playoff spot. But you never know in this league. He could be six, he could be eight, and then wanting the playoffs to change. <laughs> Back after this. Hey, you know, Bob, you asked Doug about um, what did the Blues think about him being the manager of, of Canada, yeah. which by the way, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the manager. He just won't say, won't give us the answer. Can't yeah. believe that. Um, that's exactly what happened on the basketball side with Nick Nurse. The Philadelphia 76ers, when he signed the new deal with the Sixers, he was told, you know, here's the money. You're going to make $11 million coaching the, the Sixers, but you can't coach Canada anymore. Right. And he was told he was told to stay away from it because they didn't want the distraction 
of him worrying about Canada's national team versus what's going to happen with the 76ers. Well, you know, I, I'd be, if I was uh, the team, like, like the St. Louis Blues, it would concern me. I don't know what I'd do about it. I don't know that I'd tell him he couldn't be the GM of Team Canada, but uh, I'd be concerned. It's got to split your, um, your thought process, right? You have to look at a, you will look at a game partly as the St. Louis manager and partly as a Team Canada manager. Everything you think about has to involve both things. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. Yeah. I, 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 you know, guys like Doug Armstrong have always known how to compartmentalize. How I to guess. Fit, but, I'm not know, dismissing and, that. And, but... and, and by the way, all he, all he has to do is be reminded of the paycheck that he gets from the St. Louis Blues and the paycheck he doesn't get from Well, Mike. sure. I, I know, John, but that's... Yeah, you know, but I, I, just, I understand your thought. I understand your thought. He listen. If you take on that job of being a manager for a national team, your travels increasing, the amount of work times increasing, everything, your, your family times decreasing. It, there, there is an onus, and it's it's not. You know, I I do think that the manager for Canada will be named for both the four nations thing and the Olympic team. So it's a a two year. Well, I'll tell you what, too. If um if Armstrong was the GM of Team USA, I think they would, the Blues would be more interested in that. But that would be blasphemy to Doug. He's a good, proud Canadian. I understand. I'm not saying that. But I just think, I wonder whether being in St. Louis and then being GM at Team Canada, those are two very different things. Well, they didn't There's have, no by the way, by the way, and we didn't very, mention it very much, that um, they didn't have a problem with him becoming the general manager of Canada if the NHL had gone to the Beijing Olympics. Yeah, I so guess he was he was I doing all that work already. Maybe I'm making something, I'm trying to make something on nothing, but yeah, I think it's worth discussing. Well, it it it, it will be it will be interesting to see. I, I assume they're going to make the announcement in the in the near future. When you consider the Americans have already made their announcement. All right, Bob, yeah. that's it for the week. Have a good all weekend. All right, have a nice weekend. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, thanks for listening or watching the McCowan Podcast. 